The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Always glad to have you along. And today it's Earth Day as we are broadcasting live in the Seattle radio market. And as always, broadcasting live on 1150kknw.com, soon to be turned into a podcast as well and archived accordingly, wherever you find your podcasts. Today is Earth Day, 52 years after the original one. We are going to talk about Earth Day as a concept as seen through the eyes of the wonderful Harriet Baskus, who agreed on fairly short notice to join us today. And wow, is she a very polished researcher. We have more topics than we can get to, so we're going to pick and choose. And when the clock says stop, that's what we'll do. Harriet Baskus former community radio station manager, a radio producer, and a multi-published writer. She's always writing and publishing, folks, who is most comfortable in airports or unusual museums. She is going to join us today because she's also very well acquainted with all those obscure and even weird or funky places that you can reach by road. And we're doing it all on Earth Day. We're going to hug the planet together. Let's get into our conversation after a brief timeout with Harriet Baskus. Once again, thank you for joining us. Happy Earth Day and happy Earth Day weekend, everyone. We'll be back with the interview right here on American Road Trip Talk that's coming up next. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and Alert Drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drives will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you are studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk and our conversation today just about to begin with Harriet Vasquez. Harriet, thank you so much. And again, on short notice, and you did some wonderful spelunking to find topics for Earth Day (laughs) in and around Puget Sound and, of course, our beloved Seattle. Welcome back to the show, Harriet. Thank you so much. Great to be here with you. Do you remember your first Earth Day? Earth Day one? I do, because I was like a very um, activist high school kid. So it was a very big deal. I think we walked out of high school and walked somewhere. Okay, And I hope nobody got in trouble. If you left school or was it after school? (laughs) I think it was during school. (laughs) Oh, wow. Look at you. You were an activist. Back in 1970, the first Earth Day, there was an assembly that was arranged between the administration of my high school and the student 
body government. Long and the short of it, we had the speech going, people were getting fired up. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to save the planet. And then the one who was the chief organizer among the students got up to the microphone and said the thing that we need needed to do was to get off our hindquarters, only that's not the word he used to indicate that, you know, we needed to go out and save the planet. And once he said that, just seconds later, the vice principal came up, set the gentleman aside there and said, I was told when we were organizing this, that there would be no profanity. (laughs) And so the thing... The whole thing got shut down on the spot because of one three-letter word designating derriere. And so much for Earth Day. Thank God the planet survived. That's all I can say. (laughs) Well, I think that just goes to the point that Earth Day was an uh, unusual thing when it started. It was radical almost. And now it's part of what every day. It is. And the fact that it seems so radical being brand new, unprecedented in its way, is also an invitation to controversy. But if you're an activist and you care about this planet, you're not going to let that stop you. That's my takeaway. And that is kind of a funny memory from my own high school years. But here we are in 2022, 52 years later, Earth Day still going strong. There are events that go on throughout the weekend. That's terrific. Why don't we hone in, Harriet, on Seattle and Puget Sound, Western Washington, as environmentally conscious an area as you are going to find in this country to see what people are doing and planning to do. You can start anywhere, but I guess I should mention at the outset here, Harriet, that you are writing a book that's going to incorporate a number of these places in the narrative that you're working on right now. Absolutely. Thanks for mentioning that. Um, One of the things I wanted to mention about Earth Day, and it's also in my book, is the person who started Earth Day is Dennis Hayes, and he's in Seattle, and he's the CEO of the Bullet Foundation, and the Bullet Center is a super green building that people can visit. Um, It's not open today um, for public tours, but it's a super eco like office building where it's like zero energy, it makes its own water, it does all that stuff. And up until recently, it had composting toilets for an entire building. Um, so Dennis Hayes has his, his Earth Day um, iconic thing here in Seattle, but it's in my book and you'll be able to visit it when you come here. And I will, and then we'll be able to talk about your book when it's published so that we can learn more about these venues. You're always such a busy, busy lady researching, (laughs) writing, publishing, and you take time out to talk to us, which is wonderful. There's the Bullet Center. Yes, it's billed at least as the greenest commercial building in the world. It's on Capitol Hill, and it officially opened on Earth Day 2013. So they've been at this project for a while. Yep. They wanted, um, they found a spot and they built it and it's still super green. There might be one other greenest or office building in the world, but it still holds a place. Uh, It's as the top. Yeah. Also, I wanted to mention now, of course, this is a little last minute. However, those of you in Western Washington ought to know that the state parks in Washington state are free today for Earth Day. If you want to take a dusk walk, if you want to go and have a picnic, there, there's still time and you don't have to pay that entrance fee. I guess usually, and this is a program with which I'm not very familiar, Harriet, you need a Discover Pass, which is about $10 a day, $30 for the year. It's a great deal, but today you don't even need that. 
That's right. It is a great deal. And you see it, um, that hang tag on a lot of people's cars, because you go once, you pay $10, you might as well pay 30 and you could go back to a park that you love anytime. But yeah, today it's free. And it's, you know, it's only one o'clock, 115 here in, C in Seattle. So you do have the afternoon and it's, it does stay light till about seven or eight right now. So you could take advantage of that. Good idea. You yeah. even provided some examples to me. You were reminding me of St. Edward State Park near Bothell. I lived not far from that place for about 10 years. Bridal Trail State Park in Kirkland, uh, Cama Beach, Camano Island, Island. You've got Fort Warden. There are all these places up and down I-5 over across on 405. It just seems like it's a massive map for people who want to take this day and this weekend to enjoy Mother Earth. Exactly. And just coming up, I always love that. Um, I mean, there's today's a free day, but there's also other free days throughout the year. So June 11th coming up soon, National Get Outdoors Day. Um, I didn't even know that existed, but I did know that there was a free fishing weekend. Um, so if you just want to learn how to fish or take your kids fishing, you don't need a license on June 12th in the parks either. On June 12th, as a matter of fact, here in Florida, where I reside, we have a free saltwater fishing day and a free freshwater fishing day. So two times a year, you can go out there without a license and catch the limit, catch and release and not get yourself in trouble. Perfect. I think that's a good, <laughs> it encourages people to go at least try it. Oh, absolutely. And then for those who get their entertainment in an, a cultural and intellectual form and stay indoors, Seattle has a has any number of museums, but there's one in particular, the Burke Museum of Natural History and Culture. Now, I understand today, Harriet, it's closed for a fundraiser, but you can go anytime they're open to learn to walk through. I've done it myself as many years ago, but it's an extraordinary place that seems to continually refresh itself by means of new exhibits. Absolutely. And it's it's still pretty new. There's a lot of people who haven't gone to see the new Burke Museum because it was being built right around the pandemic. It closed down for a long time. It had just opened with a brand new building. And so it's a great place to go. I've gone, since it reopened, I've gone about four times because there's so much in it. Um, all the, it, there's a lot of open storage, but right now they have one that I think is, um, speaks to Earth Day. It's like, it's called the One Cubic Foot Exhibit. And so it's all these photographs of taken of one cubic foot um, in different places. You can see all the different, like the ecosystem in a small area. So I haven't seen that one, so I'm going to go back. One thing I've noticed about the Burke is that they make great use of imagery, of photography in particular. And I, I think that's because everybody, yes. everybody who has the blessing of eyesight can appreciate that. It becomes all this photography, in a sense, becomes a window on the world. Exactly. And that's also very eco because you take a picture of something that the original is still out there in the world, in the place, and you, you're just taking away a picture. The Burke Museum, that's definitely one to keep in mind. Not today because they are raising funds, which is necessary, but you can go anytime to learn. Uh, there are a lot of organized activities, Harriet, parks, people taking walks, becoming involved in cleanup projects. And that is so Western Washington. I just yes. love that. That is what you would expect from the folks out there. They want to take care of Mother Earth, and they know they can take care of their patch of it in that region. And so they do. 
Seattle Parks and Recreation and the Seattle Public Library, they've been, uh, or they are today, I'm, I'm thinking, oh man, this goes on for a little while yet. They are going to be hosting what are known as story walks. Now, these are they're walks through parks with pages of children's storybooks on signs along the way. You're following yeah. a path. Yes. It, it, when I first found it, I saw it online and said, take a walk, read a book. And I thought, that's dangerous. You're not supposed to read a book while you're walking. But then I looked at it more and they were actually, they've made like, um, I guess they blow up the pages of children's books and put them on, on signs that, so along the way on a trail. So kids are encouraged to walk the whole trail and find the whole story. So it's a good way to get, I think, especially young kids to take a longer walk, to be in the woods. And it's almost like a scavenger hunt to get to the end of the story. I really like that idea. And, and I guess it could be used for lots of different, lots of different stories, lots of different things. And again, to get people outside. And, and what is the implied benefit of all that, Harriet? It gets kids reading. Exactly. And gets them walking. <laughs> Two things kids don't do enough of sometimes, right? So I Absolutely. Like and yeah. such tremendous natural beauty to be encountered out there. I'm a veteran of walking the Burke Gilman Trail. Somebody had the bright idea, speaking of Earth Day and, and all things related to Mother Earth, to Gaia, to use another term. When they created the Burke Gilman Trail, you didn't put that up in just one year. That was unfolding that came in phases and yet i've been uh, in a couple of so maybe even three areas of it and walking it just reminds me that if there is the political will and the compassion for the planet concern for the environment you can take great swaths and regions of the area and make sure that they are conserved not only for this generation but for all generations to come absolutely there's so many places around the country where they're reclaiming old train tracks and making them into walks or places where people can ride their bikes. It's a great, you're right, keeping it for the future. I'm glad you said that too, Harriet, because here in Sarasota over the past several years, and I can see them opening more and more of it within pretty much within walking distance where, from where I live, that's exactly what's going on. The old train tracks no longer serve because of the advance of technology. We're in a new era after all. And so it's being turned into these level walking paths that are paved, therefore less dangerous. And I see people out there going in both directions, some on foot, some have their bikes, all of them having a good time and getting great exercise in a lovely part of the community that you only used to see from the window of a train in the old days. That's right. So, and because it's Earth Day, so that's a perfect example of recycling. Yeah, absolutely it is. And that's going on now. Is this something, uh, particularly these, these paths, we know about the Burke Gilman Trail, but are they opening these up in Seattle specifically, or is it a more general area? Um, well, I, I know that um, the... Uh, the urban there there was like the old um, trolleys there's places in the city and outside the city where they've taken the old trolley train tracks and turned them into bike lanes and running lanes and, and walking lanes and across the state there's uh they've done that for a lot of the train routes and isn't it great that an idea like that would catch on you're talking about western washington i'm talking about southwest florida and yet in between, I know of a place up in a town called Colchester, Vermont, just north of Burlington, they're doing the same thing. This is an idea whose time has come, and fortunately, it's catching on. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great idea. I mean, the space is there. Somebody else already, like, 
made the tracks and made the space and, and owns that land. So it's a perfect, um, again, recycling of the use of it. And for transportation, I mean, it was made for transportation and it's still being used for transportation. Still serving that purpose in a new way, exactly. exactly. Talking about the parks, now today, you know, Denny Park, this is going on until 5.30 p.m. So, you know, if you're within the sound of our voice and you can get out there, it's available at free lawn games, music and more, having a good time. Lawn games. And of course, because we're talking about Seattle, you will have your buskers there. They'll be performing from noon to 2 p.m. You're probably a little late for that as we're broadcasting live. But fear not, there's plenty more going on this weekend. Particularly, I see here, Harriet, where you made mention of Saturday, April 23, Discovery Park, Seattle's largest park, has activities going on throughout much of the day. Yeah, so um, in the morning, there's bird walks. Some of these things need you need to register for and go online, but I think there's there's a bird walk for a couple of dollars um, in the morning, starts at eight o'clock. There's a yoga session. I don't know if that goes on regularly, but I just, I know it's going on for Earth Day. So a family yoga session at the visitor center. And then in the afternoon, they'll have nature guides taking people on walks. But that's a park that people go to all the time. It's so big. There's so many parts of it that you can experience um, in a day or in a, the whole summer to go back. Um, last summer, because during the pandemic, it's a place I went to many times during the summer because I knew there was plenty of space to be away from other people and walk. Discovery Park, that's what's happening there. Now, I'm not going to neglect you, West Seattleites. <laughs> Saturday in West Seattle, the High Point Commons Park. This is from 1 to 3 p.m. You still have time to plan this one if you want to make that, John. And talking about the efforts of Seattle Parks Naturalists, what do they have going on this weekend? So they're just going to have a booth. It sounds like they're going to have a booth there with activities, and they'll be um, giving out, um, having some art activities and giving out some information about Earth Day um, Again, you know, it's, this is the first, you know, spring is here, the weather here is nice. Um, it's a, more seems like an excuse for people to gather and get together and, and experience the outside. And in addition to that, we have so much, you just find out when you go to look up these things, you find out what a Mecca it is for any form of culture in Seattle and Puget Sound. I learned something by reading this show prep, thanks to you, Harriet. Woodland Park Zoo, I never knew, I lived over 20 years in Seattle. How did I manage to escape this factoid? Woodland Park Zoo apparently is the first zoo in the country to have natural settings for animals. Yeah, so this is something I learned from my book because I wanted to, um, I, I learned about the gorilla exhibit there. So it's one of those zoos where you go and, and the, the animals are in natural settings. And the gorilla exhibit was the first one that they tried this on and it was award-winning, but it was so natural that one of the, the gorillas figured out how to get out. And someone called the director and said, one of the gorillas is out. And he said, no, no, it just looks like that because it's such a natural setting. And the person said, no, the gorilla is sitting here on the path. It really did get out. So yeah, so it kind of changed how zoos were designed from then on to make it um, nicer for the animals and more natural, a more natural setting for people to come visit them. So and our zoo is wonderful. Yeah, it is wonderful. I've been there numerous times. 
there. It's been a while. I can't wait to get back to it again. I love Woodland Park Zoo. When you when you create a habitat like that, it's a great thing for people to go into that environment because it seems like there's a blending and humans are a species and we're animals and we show up with all of this around us. It creates a wonderful aesthetic experience. Yeah. I know zoos are controversial for some people, but um, the fact that there's the animals that are there, at least in a more natural setting for them is encouraging to me. It is. And I do understand those concerns. I also can say if I even if it is tongue in cheek that I have yet to read a letter to the editor from an endangered animal in Africa that's complaining about the lack of predators in the neighborhood. There you go. (laughs) But it is it's also um, just a nice place to go for a walk. Um, The zoo here is right next to a, a park. So it's just a great outdoor again, a nice place to go on Earth Day. I mean, Earth, you could Earth Day is almost, as you said before, it's almost every day, but um, these are nice places to think about and be thankful for on Earth Day that we've got these beautiful green spaces in this city, especially. Thankful and mindful, that's for sure. And you know, gardens, arboretums, these are the sorts of things, if not on Earth Day, when, I mean, I don't know how crowded they are. If there are a lot of people around, that's a good thing that because people are being mindful. But Washington Park, for example, has the UW Botanic Gardens. They have the Japanese garden there, too. Uh, Dunn Gardens, Olmsted Brothers designed the garden way back in 1915. This is an area of seven and a half acres. So when you go there, it's not a corner garden. This is a mature green space for you to visit. Yeah, that's that's a good, and that's one place I discovered during the pandemic. I was taking a walk in a park nearby, and we looked on the map where else could we go, and we discovered Dunn Gardens. It's it's now a private garden, but you pay like three bucks to go in or something, and um, it's one of the only. Let's see, one of the only private gardens that the Olmsted Brothers designed in Seattle. They did a lot of the public parks for the city, but it's one of the only private parks. And back then, it seems now that it's in the city, but back then it was in the country. So it was somebody's country estate who lived in Seattle, and they they hired the Olmsted Brothers to design it for them. So we're in the gardens, then we decide to aim for the sky. Is it? I'm not sure whether it's this precise day or not, Harriet, but this is the 60th anniversary or the 60th birthday of the Space Needle itself. Yes. So the city's, uh, the Space Needle and uh, the Seattle World's Fair grounds, which are now Seattle Center, um, it's a great, it's a season where we're going to be celebrating it. And I guess somebody already won, um, they're going to, they're repainting or, or have repainted the Space Needle, the original orange that it was during the Seattle World's Fair. So they're going to be doing those kinds of things. I have seen, and I've always admired the Space Needle as much for the statement it makes about this forward-looking city as for the architecture itself. But I remember the orange paint at the top. And then, of course, they changed colors to suit the occasion. You know, I'm sure it was a different color when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, for example. Yes. And they put flags up and um, I don't know if you've been back to Seattle since they took the restaurant out and made it a rotating glass floor level, but that's really cool. To go I see. did not know that. Yeah. That is excellent. So it too, it doesn't only revolve, it evolves, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that is excellent. Yes, I do love the Space Needle for sure. 
We have time here, Harriet, and I definitely want to uh, pay homage to your skills as a literary uh, giant among those who look for the weird, the wacky, the strange, and most of it, if not all of it, accessible by road. You have another book coming up. We have time. Tell us a little bit about it. Let's tease it, and then we'll talk about it more fully in another episode. Okay. Well, it just went to the printer, and so all during the pandemic, I was out uh, searching the city for unusual places and um, places we could go. And even though I've lived here for 30, more than 30 years, I discovered a lot of places. So it's a book that's going to be, it's called 111 Places in Seattle You Must Not Miss. Um, and it's museums like the Pinball Museum, the Giant Shoe Museum, places outdoors like Kubota Gardens, which we didn't talk about today, which is um, in the book in a Japanese garden um, that you could visit in um West Rainier and um, Wedgwood Rock, a giant rock in a neighborhood. So just fun places um, that you, even people who live here don't know about sometimes. So I'm excited for it to come out. And when is the anticipated publication date? We hope July. It turns out oh. publishers are having um, issues with paper from the supply chain, but I think July should, should be safe. That sounds perfect to me because when you read a book like what you are about to publish, then you go out and you see it during the time when you don't have the uh, inclement weather as much in July, in August, even into September to go and see these places. Yeah. So stairways, hidden stairways, things like that. I'm, um, I just, I almost, almost every place that we've written about is open again. So that's good. It definitely is. There must have been something about this region that drew you are you not originally from new rochelle new york <laughs> yes this is a very different place you live now for about yes. 30 years well it's because i got out here because as you mentioned i come uh worked in community radio and so i i've been at several different community radio stations on the west coast so that's how i got out here so i love fantastic. it fantastic i miss it still i lived there for 21 years i've been here a decade now in sarasota and, you know, then this doggone pandemic really interfered with my plans, because if it were up to me, I'd be making an annual trip, rather a pilgrimage to Seattle and Puget Sound. It's just that beautiful. It's just that vibrant and ecologically sensitive with people to match with their environmental consciousness, shall we say. Sounds like you're one of them. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to be to live in a place like this because you want it. I mean, it's green. You want it to stay green. And uh, there's a little bit of like social pressure to be green too out here. There is. I have felt that. I got an education about that. Thank goodness. It's all to the good. <laughs> yes. Harriet Baskus, I thank you so much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to visit with you. And when your book comes out, I'm going to make darn sure that I have a copy because we're going to work our way through that and it will be joyous. I can't wait. Great. And I hope to see you then. Thank you, Harriet, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine, 
with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure.